Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Let us find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. Father, we thank you just to take over this day. Do what you want to do in the midst of your people. We're not holding back anything. We want you to come in. We want you to do your will. We want you to have full power amongst your people today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So yesterday we began talking about the fact that Jesus always touches our need. And there is a purpose uh, for him touching us, amen, and touching us in specific ways. The purpose is that he might impart peace to us. So we spent a good deal of time yesterday defining peace and talking about what God really means when he says the word peace. And it it really means a state of blessedness, prosperity, undisturbed composure, quietness, amen, and so many other attributes that you can see from that that God does not want our life disturbed in any way. I mean, he has come to bring the ultimate peace into our lives and show us his salvation in every opportunity that he can. And that's the blessed thing about that is that God is looking for opportunities to bless people. You know, I think sometimes we lose sight of that because we're so um, legally minded in our thinking sometimes, you know, Oh, if I can't expect God to do this, because think of what I just did, and I did that yesterday, and all of that. And, and we we distance ourselves from God for no good reason. Amen. It's because we don't really draw near to him. He says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. In other words, you make the first move. Hey! <laughs> You know how many boys I want to make the first move. Well, I'm gonna go with. Oh, that's a, I'm sorry, Poppy. What a, I digress? Did I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But see, God's the only brother to tell you make the first move. It's okay with me. I like that. Move I must. Move I will. <laughs> Amen. So that leaves the ball in our court. Amen. He's an available God. He makes himself available to us. You don't need an appointment. You have walk-in status in his throne room. Amen. You got walk-in privileges. Amen. And all the hairdressers say, oh my goodness. Oh, oh, honey, we don't do walk-ins. I'm just real sorry. Well, you got walk-in status with God. You walk in there anytime, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Amen. He won't draw back. He draws near. When we draw near, he draws near. Amen. 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 He's the only one that affords us that open door at all times. Access. That's what that means. Free access, freedom to approach, amen, the throne. The scepter is always held out because of the blood, amen. It's always held out to us. It's a wonderful thing. 
It's a wonderful thing. He's available as a friend, as a counselor. Amen. In power and in might, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's available as all of that whenever we need it. Amen. So we have no need of looking for anything else or anybody else to fulfill us. We're already fulfilled if we realize it. Amen. If we'll take advantage of it, we have total fulfillment in, in the God that we serve. So, so when we were speaking about the, uh, uh, peace yesterday and being in covenant relationship with God, he has guaranteed our peace. He's guaranteed that we will always be blessed. We will always be um, uh, in fulfillment. We'll always be sound in our bodies. We'll always have uh, there our welfare is taken care of. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be concerned about. You know, just turn in your prayer request and go lay down somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I'm serious. Just, you know, he's like that. It's like, you know, he says, I got it all taken care of. Yep. You don't have to wonder about how it's going to get done or when it's going to get done. It's done already. Amen. <laughs> it's already done. So we just have to learn how to work with him and, and, and walk in this covenant and live by faith and not by sight. That is so important, especially now. You see, the devil's everywhere, uh, making himself obvious and trying to grab everybody's attention all the time, threatening this and threatening that. Uh, you, you can't work if you don't let us shoot you up. You understand what I'm saying? It should never be on that basis. You have a conscience, a God blood washed conscience to live with. Amen. Anybody that interested in getting everybody shot up and, and, you know, that's worse than adult people. If they could shoot everybody up at will, they'd do it. Because they do it as much as they can on a voluntary basis. Just a thought. I mean, you know, my my mind tends to run that way. When I see similarities, I think, hmm, what's that about? Same devil is up to the same nonsense. People have good judgment, good common sense, and they can read. Sure is quiet in here. I'm going to sneak on over to the Y. I'm going to meet y'all at the, give you a piece of chicken on the way out or whatever we got up there. But Right, right. Uh, who the sun sets Okay, long as we on the right, we all long as we on the same page. You're indeed free, amen. Everything you do has to come out of freedom, or should come out of freedom, amen, amen. But God doesn't want us disturbed. Disturbs me to have people force things on me. Now I'm just gonna say it. I don't care if y'all don't like it. Get quiet if you want to. Huh? It's disturbing. I don't like it. Make me want to just maybe go, what, what you think, Poppy? Go buy me a firearm? 
Lady Smith and Wesson, or I get the big boy edition. Amen. You don't let people force you to do anything. Come on now. We have a God who gives us better freedom than that. He don't give it to you to let you let somebody take it away from you. Praise God. Hey, I like this God. He's working on something yet. You stay before him and talk to him. He's working on something yet. Man. So, Jesus touches our need. Amen. Whatever you need, his touch will take care of it. Amen. Always does. In the book of James in chapter 2, where did I have that? James chapter 2 and verse 16. I'm going to read that to you. Because it's good to get an understanding of where God stands in certain areas. How he thinks. uh, What motivates him. Uh, his his motive in helping any of us is to bring us into peace in that place where we're no longer disturbed, no longer, uh, you know, fearful of anything, no longer frightening. So he wants us to bring us into peace. But in James chapter 2, um, in verse uh, 14, he starts talking about faith and faith without works. So there must be a work to correspond to faith to make it profitable or bring results, bring the results that we're looking for. And he says here, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and he does not have works, can faith save him? The answer is no. If you want salvation, you got to confess. That's a work. You just can't sit around and think Jesus all day long and think you're saved. Amen. No longer than I can think Fort Knox all day long be rich. I'm going to have to go bust in, break in, buy some stock or something to get somebody got to put a work with it, a corresponding action. And he says, if can say save and the answer is no if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say to them depart in peace be warm be filled notwithstanding you don't give them those things that are needful for the body what profit is it so if you don't do something to alleviate that problem you have not helped them the anointing always helps the problem. Amen. It always helps the problem. When Jesus walked the earth, he would declare the kingdom to people. He would tell them that the kingdom is right here. It's available to you right now. And I am anointed to get you kingdom benefits and kingdom results. So when he would lay hands on people and and pray for people, he always got kingdom results for them. Amen. And the Bible says if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, righteousness by faith. Amen. All things will be added to us. So as Jesus demonstrated the kingdom and touched needs everywhere he went, now that we have 
the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can seek him for how to advance ourselves in the kingdom. You seek the Holy Spirit for how to pray. What, and let him know what your needs are and let him know, uh, what, what you have, what you plan to do or what you would like to do. You let your requests be made known to him. And then he moves into your situation and begins to touch your need. If we, if our needs didn't get touched, we would wonder what kind of God are we serving? Amen. And so first order of business is get you out of lack, get you out of fear, get you out of want, get you out of, of missing things, you know, hurt, harm, whatever it is. That's the first order of business with Jesus. So he touches needs all over the place. In fact, he is so gracious about meeting needs. He often would ask people, what can I do for you? What do you want? You know what I'm saying? I mean, instead of being the type of God that just gives everybody a one size fits all life, don't you hate that? You know, we're unique individuals. Everybody has different gifts, abilities, talents, calling, everything. Unique and different. We're not one size fit all Christians. The only thing we have to be on one accord with is living holy before God. You know, and after that, then God begins to design your life based on what he's called you to do. And he's called everybody to do something. If you're saved, you're called. You answered a call when you got born again. He was looking for you. You think you were looking for him, but he is looking for you. Probably wonder what took you so long to respond. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Most people, you know, when you're out there in the world, you when somebody mentioned God, you like shoom, go the other direction. What's he looking for me for? God don't want me. Huh? But but he does. He he came, he came to seek and save that which was lost. That was me at one time. Amen. And you too. And so after he finds us, then what's next? It's living for him. Amen. On an everyday basis. Just the basic things in life. God, what do you think about that? And he'll take you in the word and show you, you know, what, what he expects of you on an everyday basis. And so there are times when we have needs. We're not really certain about what those needs are. But God will put us to work getting those needs met. Amen. Sometimes we have a need. We, you know, you just have a sense that, that you want to feel better about yourself. God will give you work to do. That'll show you, you know, I do have a little creative streak in me. You know, I, I can do a little something over here. That, that kind of thing that, that God immerses us in his life to show us who we really are. And bring out of us the best that there is in us. Amen. He'll, he'll show us great and mighty things that we have no idea are there. You know, we're so blind and in such darkness before we come to Christ. And then many times after we come to Christ, we don't know what we're capable of. Like Jesus told Peter, he said, you'll know what kind of spirit. <laughs> if he said, well, should we call down fire from heaven? Jesus said, well, wait a minute, wait, wait. You'll know, put the gun down, Peter. 
You don't know what kind of spirit you're made out of. Amen. And so that's what this whole thing is about in, in being saved is, is finding out what kind of spirit we are of. You're born of the spirit of God now. And that brings with it a calling that brings with it uh, certain responsibilities that brings with it a witness in the earth where God wants us to, to stand tall for him. He wants us to stand out. He wants that light in us to be as bright as it can be. Amen. We're not to go down dimming our lights, putting dimmers on everything. You know, we're to turn it all the way up. Amen. And so when when we understand that God wants to train us and teach us and get us to understand his ways, so we can have peace, number one, with him, peace with all humanity, peace within ourselves, feel good about yourself. He wants to bring dignity into our lives and, and show us who we really are. Amen. It, when God shows it to you, it's real. You understand what I'm saying? When he pulls you out of the world and begins to, to show you who you are, it's, it's really real. It's real. It is so real. I remember when I was, was first saved, you know, I, I, I got saved at home and in a, a person that I knew had witnessed and led me to the Lord and her witness mapped out a path for me to be able to know how to pray so that I could be saved. She didn't really pray with me because I I had evaporated from the scene of life. I had panic attacks and I stayed at home all the time for almost straight for five years. I would go out a little bit here and there, but you know in yourself when you're really functional and when you're not. And so I stayed with the word and I stayed with God until he pulled me out of that darkness and he began to just coax me out into normal living a little bit at a time. And I remember wanting to know more about God and the things of God. You know, I had my Bible and I was doing good, but there was, you know, when you belong to a body of believers, that's what you long for. You got to find that company uh, of people that God has called you to so that you can be whole again. See, you find your wholeness and expression when you're in the perfect will of God. Until you get there, you're not whole. You're, you're on your way there, but, but there's a, a lack of soundness there somewhere. There's, there's something that you need still in your in your life. And I remember going to a women's uh, fellowship and it was good for me because I got a chance to be around people who just knew that their job was to love people who came into there. You understand what I'm saying? You could see they went the extra mile to make you feel comfortable, make you feel at home. And I remember the ladies, they would get excited about, um, uh, people who would, speakers we would have, they were mostly women, they would come. If they moved in the gifts of the spirit and got words of knowledge, prophecy and that kind of thing, we would get all excited. They said, oh, so-and-so's coming. They said, ooh, she moves in the gifts, you know, because you want to hear from God. You don't want somebody's opinion about something. 
huh? And some warmed over legalistic religious nonsense that don't work for them and it ain't going to work for you either. And so I remember this lady's name was Fran. I don't remember her last name, but she was real sweet. And she she prophesied to people chapter and verse in the Bible. And this is what she read to me from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. It says, my beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. The winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds is come. And I almost was going to look around and see if she was talking to me. me. Uh, Because where I had lived for the past five years was not this. And you know what? I'm glad it wasn't. Because God had something brand new for me. And he showed right there that he loved me and that he had something special, a special life for me, bring me dignity for my shame, all of that. And so until God really, really speaks to us and touches those needs, deep down needs, we have really not been touched yet. You understand what I'm saying? I'm thankful he started me off on that foundation because I've noticed over the years, see, when you, when you're called in something and you're called a certain way, that foundation is always in you. So it's easy, makes it easy for you to bless others with that, that flow and that, that knowledge of, of God's ability toward us. And, and most of the songs of the Lord that I've ever gotten have to do with God's love for us. Just his, his desire to be closer to us, desire to do more for us, to care for us, to build us up, make us feel good about ourselves in his love. Amen. Not in some fake stuff that we, you know, you buy a t-shirt that says queen. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is beyond your queen t-shirt. You understand what I'm saying? This is his beloved, somebody that is close to, he would hold him, you close to his chest. And never let you go. Amen. It's that kind of love that he has for each and every one of us. So I know for a fact that God touches your need first and foremost. Because I had never been in a meeting before where people ministered to you. You know, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I you know, everything that I had when I came to that, the, that ministry, I got by off the TV or mail order in a pamphlet. And God ministered to me because I could not get out to it and he sent it to me. Don't tell me he won't meet your need wherever you are. But once you you get functional, get up and get out and be a part of the, the kingdom. Be a part of, find a fellowship where you connect with, where God wants you to be, where you get fed, where he begins to strengthen you and show you who you really are. And so he touched my need day one. From the foundation of my relationship, I needed to know, first of all, that I was normal. You know, you live off tranquilizers and therapy for five years and see if you feel like all that. Huh? You you feel fragmented. 
And I still was. And, and, and he began to heal me more and more from that day. I mean, it was just building one healing after another healing after another healing. Never stopped healing. Still healing me. You, you understand what I'm saying? But because of what I had been through being depressed, I was stripped of all sense of worth, you know, feeling worthwhile, all that kind of stuff. And God has to meet you where you are to start building in you that which you really need. You know, it's like I look at sometimes people buying all these books and tapes on, you know, uh getting rich and prospering. I said, man, if y'all only knew. You're rich already and got sense enough to figure it out. You got the Godhead living on the inside of you and you want to figure out how to get rich? Man. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What more you want? Start putting your faith to work. Start loving him back, showing him, God, what can I do for you? You ever ask that question? Well, keep sitting there and wait until he answers you. You understand? I mean, be, be be sincere about it. Pay that love back a little bit. Let him show you how your gift works to pay that love back. And he'll do it. He'll show you what you're here for. And he will give you a full life. Nothing missing, nothing broken. His great peace that passes all understanding. Shalom everywhere. In every area of your life, sound in mind, sound in body, with clear vision, you know where you're going. You know what he wants you to do, and you're about doing it. You don't have any loneliness, boredom, upset, anything like that. I can thank God for that. I've been a widow for 20 years. I'm never lonely. I told God, I said, I said, I'm all alone. He said, no, you're not. You're by yourself. There's a difference. <laughs> huh? You know, the worst thing when I was younger is it was showing to having to go somewhere without a date. See, marriage settles that for you. You got a permanent date everywhere and you better not forget it. Right, Poppy? You know who you got to take everywhere you go. Amen. Well, you got permanent date. Huh? You got the Godhead dwelling on it, living on it, not moving out, but living there. God has set up housekeeping in our hearts. He plans to stay. He moved his lounge, his lazy boy in there. He's got his feet up on the, the footstool, so he's not going anywhere. And he's here to touch every single need that we have. You know, we may not get it when we think we're supposed to get it. We get to itching for stuff and getting upset about things. But God is here to meet every single need. You have the Lord is your shepherd. You have no lack. You're not lacking in anything. You have it all. And getting to know him, you learn how to access everything that he has given to you. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 9, talk some about some of the people that, that Jesus had and what their needs were and how he met every need. And he meets your needs first. He doesn't put you on hold. 
and and build, you know, give you a build up about things. You know, you get it one day if you can get here, get there. No, you got it already. He's emptied the vault for us. Amen. And we're very much aware of that at all times. In Matthew 9 and verse, um, let me think, where am I? Matthew. And 27 says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Amen. Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, apparently they helped each other. You know, um, if, if they came in pairs, they'd probably walking together and, and stumbling around however they get around, but they came because they were leaning on each other. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And this they said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, And right away, Jesus charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But when they were departed, he went and told everybody. Amen. (laughs) Now, Jesus, these men have followed him for a distance. I mean, they came up to him when he was outside of the house. And he kept walking. Amen. Now, why do you think he kept walking? said they followed him they came to him first of all it says two men followed him saying son of david have mercy on us so you know a lot of times jesus stopped right there when people were crying out to him and when he was coming to the house the blind man came in so jesus we don't know how far they followed him huh he done walked a little bit, days outside, and I don't know if it was outside of the house house, but he might have walked a distance before he got to the house where the meeting was, and he began to deal with them. So he came into the house, and the blind men came to him, and he said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now, that's the tip-off right there. Amen. When they first started to cry out for mercy, There was not enough faith in their hearts. Because this is going to have to be an according to your faith be it unto you situation. So if Jesus is commanding that they follow him for for a, a season or a distance, it must be that their faith is being built as they follow him. This will answer a lot of your questions about why, how come I don't have this yet? Or how come I, are you following him? Not throwing no shade, but if you, you understand what I'm saying? See, many people follow him for a season and they, oh, he ain't gonna do nothing. The empty seats in here are testament to that. (laughs) 
It's a lot of people that started out following God and, and one day decided mm, he's not going, yeah, you know, it's not going to happen for me or it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen at the church down the street, you know, that kind of stuff. And so many times we're compelled to follow God and follow God and follow God. And, and often it, there's no limit or no point at which he said, you followed me enough. See, if you get a clue, you figure out, I followed him and my need got met. I can see now. I can go get a job. I can do some things. Uh, I can live independently. You know, these these things are life-changing. When you see Jesus touch needs, it changes people's lives. It revolutionizes it. And so these men who were once beggars... Now don't have to beg anymore. Amen. They can go and, and be gainfully employed. Bartimaeus was a blind man and the fact that they refer to his family name, he, the, he's the son of Timaeus, that means that his family was prominent. More than likely, they had some stature. So he was the son of, Bar means son of, the son of Timaeus. So he was Bartimaeus Jr. So he's begging for Jesus to give him his sight. People tell him to shut up. You know, a lot of times people who who are weak or infirm or have handicaps get pushed around a lot. But his first move of faith was to talk louder when the people told him to shut up. See, if you bust through the resistance, you'll get something sometimes. But it's thought by many people that Bartimaeus had a family fortune waiting for him but could not claim it because of his blindness. See, this man's life, he goes from beggar to wealthy in one day. See? Now it's time for him to go home and ask to look at the books. Because I can read now, y'all. I can see now. I want to see all them ledgers. How much property we got. How much how much cattle we got. How much came in. What's in this bank account. What's in that one. See, you have a need. When you have a need, it will satisfy a lot of different things in your life. So you change your your outlook. You change what you're desiring you change everything changes about you once jesus touches your need he'll correct things in you that have been taught incorrectly to you for generations you talk about breaking a generational curse you get close to him baby and you totally new person amen you don't have to go to no deliverance meeting to break a generational curse it's broken Cause you're a, you're a chosen generation. What more you want? Amen. And so when you talk about Jesus meeting needs, these are needs that they're deep needs. They're not just, I need uh, enough to, to pay my rent this month. He wants to put you in a place where you own property and people pay you rent now. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are people say, well, I don't need all that. You don't know what you need because you're in a different kingdom now. You don't know what God's going to require of you. 
You don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. But I'm telling you, it's good to be in a position to have supply when there's a shortage. Amen. I used to laugh. I, I was, I'm a, a butter buyer. Y'all want to know what all the butter is in my freezer? Huh? If there's a shortage, I got all the butter. So I was talking to Nikki. I've been bringing it to the church and then I use it when I cook too, you know. <laughs> I was talking to Nikki. I said, oh, Nikki, we down to our last two pounds of butter. So we gonna come into agreement. I'm gonna find a truckload of it on sale again and I'm back in butter business again. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's good to be in a position of abundance in case there ever is lack. You see what I'm saying? And that's where God wants to position us, you and me. That's why he says your peace will be in your abundance. Amen? Abundance of all things. He wants to bless his people with that. So these two blind men follow Jesus until their faith is built. See, whenever you ask God for something, what you express is always a seed. It's a mustard seed. You know, that's what the Bible calls it. And I think sometimes we, we try to, to, you know, like categorize our faith as great faith, strong faith, this faith. It'll get there. You understand? Because faith always increases. Amen. And so, and, and God knows how to get it to increase for you to the place where you can acquire what you need. See, if, if your faith, if you start out with a mustard seed and it never gets any bigger, what's that mustard seed going to get you? You just have more seed. You're just eating seed. You want it to grow into a plant where it provides for you and your whole family and more people besides. So that seed must be planted. It has to be germinated, which means it has to go through some agitation. You know, when when you put seeds in, in soil, it has that hard shell around it. That thing has to be shed off. Amen. And the way our mustard seeds are shed is through resistance. The first place you go, the answer is no. Second place you go, the answer is no. Third place is see me Thursday or maybe Monday. You got me? But you got to keep that seed planted out there so that when you start to, when you, when you want to receive it or it's time to receive it, it's a full blown plant and it will serve you. It will help you. You'll be able to dine off of it. Amen. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, we used to eat pumpkin seeds. I mean, I think I won't tell you how much they were a box. People want to try to count how old you are. But there's like a nickel. If that's, you know. <laughs> and you tr- try to figure out how to eat them. Everybody liked them. Oh, give me some pumpkin seeds. And you try to crack them and bite into them. And then you just wind up licking the salt off of them and throw it away. See, that's why your mustard seed has to be planted. Because there's not a lot of fun, a lot of nourishment. It's too much work to live off of a seed. So you got to sow it 
into God's kingdom. Amen. And let it grow. Leave it alone and let it grow into something that you're going to want. Amen. When you pray for anything, it's a seed. You know, I see a lot of young people running around and they say they want to get married, but they don't act like it. They don't pray, don't expect, don't encourage themselves in it. Amen. It's almost like a forbidden prayer. And see, that's the way things are in the world. People in the world don't want marriage. They want to live together until they get sick of each other and throw each other out. Or worse. And that thing rubs off on our young people in the church. That's why they should always be thanking God for my, thank you for my husband. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my spouse, my kids. You know, all in that order. <laughs> you know, people started, am I right, Poppy? They start hearing you all funny and crooked. And I say, well, Pastor Barb says she pray. I pray for you a husband first. Come on now. Huh? Keep it in divine order. It'll work for you. It'll be right. It'll be a blessing to you. And so once you start understanding how your faith is a seed, you'll understand Jesus was not being unfair to these men, just like God's not being unfair to you, expecting you to use your faith for things. You've got to get in there and start putting some muscle behind your your words. There's a corresponding action to everything. For these men, it was to keep following Jesus. Hint, hint, if you follow him, he'll not only heal you, but he'll show you how to prosper and take care of yourself, how to add abundance to what you already have. So when he gets there, the whole issue is, did they follow him long enough to have their faith built to where they could receive their miracle? If Jesus had had to walk another mile or two or go to another house he would have told nope come on let's go you got to follow me some more you're not ready yet amen your faith is not ready yet see your faith has to be of the quality where you can number one recognize what god is giving you as a blessing huh a lot of people look at it and say "Mm, i don't like that kind of stuff you know and you prayed for that I don't know why you don't like it. Your faith brought that in here. I didn't bring it. Huh? But if that's what your faith brings in, that's what your faith brings in. Amen? Learn how to thank God for it. And start believing God to add to it and perfect it and allow it to to blossom into something that that really is in your vision. Amen. When we have a vision for things, we see a snapshot of something wonderful in the future. You never see a picture of that seed. But that's the first thing that comes to you is that seed. Amen. I remember when when I was talking to God about it. Oh, God, when I was newly saved and I was in the women's ministry and I would talk to God. I said, oh, God, I want to do something. I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing something for you. You know, it just says call of God comes like that. You know, I was ignorant. I wasn't a church person, you know, where I can get on Facebook and prophesy already and don't even know God too well. Huh? See, I wasn't church like that. I was just, you know, 
out of the nut house and then over into a a ministry where it was no church structure really it was like meetings amen where people can go and talk to each other and pray for each other help each other and so when when i realized that there was something tugging on my heart. God wanted me to do something. I kept saying, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want? And there would be ladies in, in our Bible studies and meetings and, and one lady said, Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go buy this, this shelter. And uh, if anybody wants to come, I just go by and make some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we package them up and, and have them for the homeless people that come by. And I thought, oh, God, I'll do that. I'll do that, you know. And on my way to doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, he had me stop at the office of a person that I knew. And in that office was three or four different people. And the power of God came on me, and God had me prophesy and begin to lead those people to the Lord. And I had really just met this lady. Not too long ago. I never got to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But I was willing. You got me? The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you will do what? Eat the good of the land. I was willing to do whatever. And I see people now and nothing's ever good enough for them. Nothing's ever high enough for him. Nothing's ever lofty enough for him. I said, where did y'all come from, Mars? Have you been reading your Bible? Where the Bible says, don't despise the day of small things. Everything small is going to grow. Look at your kids. They done ate you out of house and home and... Walk through them shoes. You know, you get them boys in shoes. They walk through them. I said, what? Already? Huh? Did you despise them as babies? No, you loved them. We all got experience with small that grows into something bigger. Amen. And so that's the way the kingdom operates. It's, it's about seed. And sowing seed and the growth of seed. But very importantly, it is about sowing your faith in prayer. And sowing that word into your prayer. And letting that word begin to grow on the inside of you. And letting that thing prosper and flourish. And let yourself live a good life based on your faith. That's how the justified people live by faith. So the blind men got their sight. Amen. When Jesus asked them if they believed and they said yes, that was his go ahead signal to release the anointing to them. So when faith meets the anointing, that's when your need is met. Amen. It must meet the power of God. Other than that, there's no, there's no engine to drive that thing home to you. See, the anointing does it all the time. And if it's the anointing in your prayers when you pray in your worship or whatever, or in a meeting at the altar, whatever it is, your faith must meet the anointing and other for that thing to to manifest for you and come to pass in your life. Amen. So following the Lord builds faith. 
listen, many times God is testing us to see if we will do what he says, tells us to do in the small things before he gives us more. It's all over the Bible. If you're faithful in that which is a little, he will make you ruler over much. Amen. He doesn't give much to people who aren't faithful. They'll squander it. Amen. They won't know what to do with it. And so once we understand the kingdom way, the kingdom system, it gets much, much easier for us to to have peace. You know, you can have peace even when you broke. Amen. Because your faith can be working to reassure you that it's there somewhere. Amen. It's coming. Amen. You know, you can, you can, um, uh, um, Muller, the, the, um, the guy that had the orphanages in, I don't know, was it England, Germany, somewhere in Europe, but, but he never told anybody what his need was. I'm thinking, man, come on now. You didn't have a relative you could hit up for a little coin here and there. Go around somebody and look kind of broke to them or, huh? Wear your broke down shoes and hope somebody took pity on you. He had none of that. And he constantly took in more orphans in his orphan's home. He didn't have a church that was backing him up. He had nobody. And he would pray every single morning and every single night for whatever their need was. And the, the, one of the caretakers in the orphanage came to him that night and told him that they were out of bread for the next morning. And so he prayed most of the night. And see, this is very common with many of the older saints. You know, some of our forebearers, the ones who are responsible for us having the gospel. Amen. They would pray until they felt a release in the spirit that that thing was coming. Amen. And about six in the morning, there was a knock on the door and it was the baker. And he said, somebody ordered a lot of bread and they, they cancel the order. They can't pick up the order or something like that. He said, I've got a truckload of bread and I thought I'd stop by here and see if you could use it. Amen. So you don't have to tell anybody but God about what you need. Now, trust me, God, we're the church now, okay? And God has counsel for you and agreement for you. I would suggest you take advantage of the prayer of agreement because it'll keep you out of a lot of hot water and a lot of trouble. When you're in warfare, it's good to have a prayer of agreement with somebody because they can fight that warfare that you feel overwhelmed in. Amen. They can keep you going for a long time. I was praying with somebody and it was a 20 year battle for some property that they owned. And there were many times it got to be overwhelming to them. I said, wait a minute. What did we agree? That was my only thing to do was put the brakes on any other thought and remind them what did we agree was going to be the outcome of this. And sure enough, they got their property intact, nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen. God's peace. Over 20 years, folks. So there are some things that just won't, that mountain won't move out of your way real quick. But you need to have somebody that you can pray with and agree with. Amen. And walk in love with that person. 
you know, work in harmony with them. Don't just be a begrudging prayer partner and, and never want to, you know what I'm saying, make it like it's, it's a chore for you to do these things. You know, dig in there, walk in love and, and show people that you're for them, not against them. We got enough stuff against us. You don't need the saints against you too. We need to be connected with one another, you know, in a mighty way. So, so that's the blind men. They walking behind Jesus, following him was a requirement for them to be healed. You know, a lot of times people don't like requirements for anything. We want instant everything. But following Jesus was a requirement for them because as they walked behind them, their faith was built. They, they got out of casualness about what they were praying for. You know, the casual prayer is you think you just pray and then wait, let time go by and then it's going to fall in your lap. Amen. Uh, no such animal out there. You have to fight for it. That's why Jesus said, uh, uh, speak to the mountain. Amen. <laughs> There's mountains in front of our faith all the time. They're built in. Sometimes the mountain is you. You know what I'm saying? Like doubt, unbelief. Can't quite believe God would want that for me. Can't quite believe that I'm going to get there. Can't quite believe that, you know. And you don't let money be involved. Oh, my goodness. You know, people talk about your credit scores and. All that kind of stuff. It's the same thing it was the last time you. Don't keep going on there looking for stuff. <laughs> it's the same thing. I remember God, God spoke to um, somebody at our meeting prophetically and told that person, your credit is good in heaven. <laughs> you know, that's all you got to know. All you got to do is have a word from God. Your credit is good in heaven. I see these people with these little ads on the, you know, they talk to me about cleaning up your credit. No, I don't think so, because you can't help me. The help I need is up in heaven, girl. Are you kidding me? Oh, you can't help me, honey. <laughs> Turn to Luke chapter 6. Y'all gone to sleep or you still here? Still here. I'll just hang it on for some chicken. I shouldn't have let the cat out the bag. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, Luke chapter 6, and we're starting in verse 6, I think. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand, right hand, was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Now, this is what we're up against. When when you operate in faith, you're up against religion. You're up against legalism. You're up against hypocrisy and hardness. Because for somebody to be denied full function of their body because it's the wrong day of the week 
Do you understand what I'm saying? That's really the height of hypocrisy. But, you know, those kinds of, of religious spirits are in the church, period. There are people who will find fault with you. You you get up and let God use you to do something supernatural. And every demon, you know, from miles around all automatically shows up at your doorstep to try and harass you, talk you out of, say what you're doing comes from the devil. That ain't real. You see what I'm saying? It's, a, it's just true now. It's as true as it's ever been. Amen. I can't tell you what we went through to first get started this ministry. You understand what I'm saying? Kicked out of churches. You go to church. The pastor say, oh, yeah, y'all come on. I want we need prayer around here. Y'all come and you go on the doors locked. Huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> huh? So when you sign up for this, you sign away all your pride, your I want to be somebody, I'm a queen, all that kind of stuff. You sign, I ain't never been nobody's queen nowhere. And never sought to be. You understand what I'm saying? I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to his word. See, I'll do whatever Jesus tells me to do. But I can tell you right now, you start moving in the supernatural and every demon, it, you know, it, it wouldn't fail. There would be times where when we were in this church and we would, after service was over, we'd be sitting around the congregation. And, and I was an ordained minister there. And there would be people come up and say, well, well, I don't pray in tongues yet. Can I pray in tongues? Before you knew it, 15 people had moved right over there in your conversation. You were sitting there, it was just you and them when you first started. Before you know it, you see these little footprints coming over. Huh? The devil always wants to stop the power of God from manifesting. Or don't, don't want to transfer it on to somebody. You got real problems then. And so you, you have to understand the things that, that hindered Jesus and came after him will come after you as well when you serve him. You can't be ready to quit just because you don't have enough tithers in there. You see, people won't get depressed. Pastors depressed. They they need prayer too. They need to learn how to pray for themselves. You understand what I'm saying? I had to pray for me, and God fortunately sent people here who wanted to pray too and wanted to be taught to pray, and that's how we've survived. You think people are these other churches want us there? Huh? I don't think so. Amen. So when you work for God and you move in the supernatural, you may not have many friends. And you may not have many people knocking on your door. Amen. The minute you come in and you start having a healing line, you can forget it. And you can prophesy to people these little weak prophecies all day long. But you get up and lay hands on somebody and they are slain in the spirit and they get up healed, it's curtains for you. They don't want you back no more. They'll they'll ask you to come if God forces them to. And I can tell when they forced because <laughs> they usually hard up by the time I get there. You understand? what? Because they've been fighting it the whole while. Well, I can't have her come in here. <laughs> hmm? But see, God needs anointed people down here. 
He wants to touch many needs. And he's dependent on us to do it. He's depending on the church to do it. And don't be afraid of working for God. You know, when you you get in trouble, you ask him like the apostles, do you give me more boldness? Huh? Give me more boldness. I didn't have enough. That's how I got jumped on. Amen. And so, and you need the boldness to, to, to keep from quitting. You gotta have confidence in God that he puts you out there. Cause the devil will play a, a trick on your head. Get you questioning yourself and your motives. Well, did they really get healed? Did it, uh, did, did God really tell me to do that? Uh-uh. So this man with a withered hand, the scribes and Pharisees were always watching Jesus to accuse him of something that they could throw the book of the law at him. Amen. So if it was they they had all these other laws about not doing work on the Sabbath. Amen. Jesus taught that the priests profane the Sabbath anyhow in their normal duties. So they all should have been aware of that. There are exceptions that God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. You don't lord it over yourself with a certain day of the week. Amen. And so this man was hurting. He had a need. What was it? He was weak and unable to do the normal things that everybody does because he needed strength in his hand. And so Jesus decides to touch his weakness. Amen. And bring strength out of it. You know, people, you know, I used to, I don't know, I, I used to take drugs and do this and do, well, you're not a drug addict anymore. Jesus will touch that weakness and bring you strength out of it. You'll be so strong, you'll go around telling, you'll be going around taking crack from people. You got it? Go in a crack house and take the pipe and step on it. And say, come on out of here, y'all, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to get saved and you're going to get off this stuff. You got me? So he knows how to touch your need and bring strength where there was weakness. Well, this man needs to be able to be self-sufficient. Pretty much everybody Jesus prayed for and everybody he healed got themselves back on their feet after they got back to a normal way of life. They were more independent. There goes the dignity coming back into your life. They were able to shed that that old shell of, of shame and embarrassment and I don't have this and I can't do that this man he could open his own bottles I guess cans whatever he could carry stuff now so he was he was stronger after having met the Lord and and got his knee touched so he saw Jesus saw this this man needed to be touched and the scribes and Pharisees it says here in verse 7 watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man that had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth. In other words, let's do it loud, proud, bold, and wean hidingness is not being done in a corner. Stand up so everybody can see it. See, the difference between people who are, are truly anointed of God and people who maybe aren't 
is what what anointed people do we don't do in a corner you do it bold you do it loud you do it where the public can examine it and see and know that God is working with you and doing the things that you're doing amen that's why I'm against these bathroom prophets that want to follow you in the bathroom you at somebody's meeting they follow you in the bathroom got a word for you that's never God you understand what I'm saying because they're not bold they're not public you got to do it in a corner amen when Jesus was being accused before Pilate and he before the Sanhedrin he told them he said I was with you every day what which 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 miracle do you accuse me of now amen what I did I did publicly I'm not a thief I'm not a con man I'm not a liar I'm not any of that I did what I did right out in the open amen and he he does things like that so that people can see for themselves that God is real because many people didn't know the reality how could they know the reality of God in the synagogue where these people Jesus had to to turn the tables over there turn into a den of thieves it was just a money machine amen and if you didn't have money to give them you didn't get much and if you gave them a bunch of money you got less and so Jesus came to show people the father the true father the one who loves them not this fake stuff that the religious government is talking about and so he told him to rise up and stand in the midst and he rose and stood forth and Jesus said unto them I will ask you one thing he's talking to the Pharisees now is it lawful on Sabbath days to do good or to do evil to save a life or destroy it and looking around upon them all he said to them to that man stretch out your hand in other words I'm going to show them I'm going to do it loud I'm not ashamed. I'm going to show forth the glory of God in this place. And I'm going to help somebody and I'm going to touch a need. And he did all of that at one time. Many times the things that Jesus did and how he did them was not just for the benefit of the person receiving it. And this is something we have to be aware of and we have to accept it too. There are times when God wants to do something for us. And we don't understand why we don't have it yet. We don't understand why it's delayed or we don't understand it. Maybe there's a kingdom purpose, a teaching purpose in it for somebody else. Or maybe there's a lesson for you to learn. Instead of just get my stuff and run on and be happy, maybe you got to work a little harder for it. Maybe you need to see something out of you. You invest yourself in a little, a little bit more. So that he can bring the greater glory. This is a kingdom thing, folks. I'm sure those people who were sitting around and thought the Pharisees were up to no good. When this happened, they said, I'm putting my money back in my pocket. These dudes ain't right. I'm getting up out of here and I'm following Jesus. Amen. Following the real thing. Most of them, when they left the synagogue, they were forbidden to follow Jesus. They didn't want him back anyway. They told him not to come back. They would use that as a tool to manipulate them to stay. If you go follow him, you can't come back here. 
Sound familiar, anybody? See, we never shut the door to anybody. Anybody who leaves here, we tell them, listen, you can come back anytime. If you change your mind, I know you don't like me right now. You think I'm the biggest witch in the world, but if you ever change your mind, decide you want to love me. <laughs> huh? Everybody's welcome in God's house. Don't turn people away. And then they go out of here and talk bad about you, but you love them anyway. You'll turn them away. Cause they, no doubt they will need you before you need them. That's just a given. Amen. And so Jesus then makes a demonstration of this man's healing. That's part of it as well. Not only does he want this man restored and he touches his need and he makes him whole. He said that hand was restored whole just like the other one was. In other words, it was in perfect condition after Jesus touched him. Amen. Or told him to get up and stretch forth his hand. It came back into perfect use. Amen. Amen. And so God doesn't do any halfway healings. He doesn't put you on the convalescent list while you waiting for the rest of it. Now you might have stopped your faith at some point so that you didn't get it all. But if you go back and ask him to touch it again, he can make it whole just like the other one was with no, no two ways about it. Amen. So that's the the man with the withered hand. In Matthew chapter 9, you see the woman with the issue of blood. And in this one, this lady did something unusual to get her healing. She touched him, but she was reaching out for life. Amen. So Jesus gave her life back to her. In, in all aspects of it, every single aspect of it, he gave her life back to her. In Matthew 9, in verse uh, 20, it says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she had said within herself, within herself, within herself, Quit telling everybody what else what God is going to do to you. Start talking to yourself about it. You might find out you learned something. Amen. You know, she she kind of was this person that had to think through how this was going to be done for her. And many times it's like that. You know, you can have many trips to the altar and you get a little better. And But it's something nags and all that. Well, maybe God wants to talk to you on the inside of you and get you to understand what your part is that you need to do. I love praying for people and seeing them instantly healed. But it don't always work like that. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of what we call instant has been worked on like this this was. So this lady starts working on her faith. She starts reasoning with the Holy Spirit exactly what she needs to do in order to get her healing. See, the fact that she's gone to doctors for 12 years and didn't get better, but she's still in the game, means that there's faith there. And so when God sees faith in somebody, he sets about to make sure that faith 
goes to work for them and it brings them in the thing that they want. And in one account, it says when she heard about Jesus. So she transferred her faith from the doctors over onto the supernatural. See, we can do this. Many times we get to the end of what man can do for us. But that doesn't mean your story is over. You can take that same faith that you put in medicine, doctors, natural things, and transfer it over into the word. And go get in your word and find out what God says about your situation. And let the Holy Spirit minister to you and instruct you in how to receive what it is that you need. It's all about faith, folks. It really is. It's all about what you're willing to believe and how far you're willing to go to make sure your faith gets realized. There are some times when you, you'll just keep repeating the word to yourself just so you don't lose confidence that God still is, is, is gonna bless you and gonna do something for you. But then there's another place where you can go in your meditation where you think to yourself, well listen, I've been letting this stop me all this time. God, what's stopping me from getting my healing? And with this woman, it was the fact that she was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be out on the streets. And see, many times people don't want to confront the obvious. There's something stopping us from acquiring what we need by faith. And you've got to be confident enough in God and understand God's mercy and his love enough to go to him and say, God, there's something hindering me from getting over into that place of receiving. So I'm asking you to help me to deal with that. And with this woman, it was a barrier. With everybody, it's a barrier. Sometimes a barrier is in your thought life. Sometimes a barrier is I've done all the the steps and formulas I know how to do and I still don't have it. Next thing is trying to stand on my head and I know I can't do that. So if your steps and formulas, if you got to throw your comfort, your comfort zone steps and formulas out because it still hasn't gotten you what you needed, then throw them out and go to God and, go, and tell God, now there's a barrier here, Lord. I need to, to overcome this barrier. And for her, it was going up to a holy man and say, lay hands on unclean me. And she knew she couldn't do it. That was a barrier there, but she didn't quit because that's probably what stopped her from going to the synagogue and trying to get help. She was unclean. So there's a built-in barrier in her brain. Every time she thinks about going to the religious community, there's a barrier there. Can't do it. Not allowed. It's written. It's written in the law of Moses. I can't do that. But she lets the Holy Spirit finagle her brain a little bit differently. And she starts examining what really happens when Jesus starts touching these people. And she realizes something goes out of him and goes into them. That's the first thing you notice about God's anointing. It penetrates. It's on assignment and it's it's targeted for something. And it will, it's a heat seeking missile that always hits the right target. Amen. 
So you got to target, you got to fix your faith and fix your words and fix yourself to get in the presence of that power that's released there. And she said within herself, you know what? He can't touch me, but I can touch him. And I won't get in any trouble for touching him either. That was the other thing. You lost your dignity. You were ostracized. You were made an example of if you stepped out of that law of Moses box. And that's what the Pharisees hated about Jesus. He he operated outside of the box. He operated in the realm of faith, in the realm of the anointing. And she said, you know what? I figured it out. I don't have to touch you. He doesn't have to touch me. I can touch him and nobody will know I was here. But she had the faith to know that if she touched him, the power would come out of him to her and she would be healed. So she was going to just go up and touch his robe and kimble on out of there. Amen. But Jesus stopped her. Amen. And he told her, he said, who touched me? Amen. He wants to know and he wants, he wants to meet us. He don't want you just sneaking up taking some from him, even though it's there for you, but he would rather meet you and let you know the God that you touched, that it's okay with him. Because see, the first thing the devil will do for somebody who gets something kind of like semi illegally, First thing he'd probably tell that woman, if she hadn't talked to Jesus after she touched him, then, well, look at you, you ain't healed. Even though she knew within herself that she was. If you don't get it sealed in there, you don't get God's approval on what you do, amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. When you, you gotta know you please God. Or you won't get anything and it won't last. The devil will take it from you the minute you get around the corner. Huh? If you think you're not pleasing God, well, look at you, what you did. And then you hang your head and the next thing you know, you're limping again. You done lost your healing. So when Jesus, when, when Jesus approves of you, he lets you know it. Delay, daughter, cheer up. Amen. Don't be dragging no more. That was the first thing that was wrong with her. She lost her joy. She lost her dignity. Why? Because she was unclean everywhere she went. People moved out of the way and said, we can't touch you. Get away from us. First thing she needed besides physical healing was to be, have her dignity restored. He told her, he said, uh-uh, don't be scared of touching me. You did right. Your faith caused you to do it. Uh, where I live, Sugar, faith is everything. You use faith, you please me. I ain't mad at you. And from that day forward, everybody started touching him everywhere he went. Amen. She was like, she went viral. Huh? For all you, for all you YouTube lovers. Huh? She went viral. Yeah, it's supposed to go viral. And look how many more people he was able to touch and to be healed. People, she was the buzz of the city. Huh? 
You know, uh, Annie, you remember Annie? Dirty Annie? Nasty Annie? Oh yeah. Well, she ain't got clean now and she got healed. Did you, did she touched Jesus and he did, he said it was okay. Huh? Well, you get your little dirty self out there and touch him too. Amen? That puts all kind of possibilities in the game. Amen? But God always touches your need. The anointing is for needs. It's to create, your faith is to meet every single need. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for giving us, Lord, all things that pertain to life and to godliness. We honor you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We bless you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.